Happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome back to Unbothered. It's your host, Josh, here. What a show today. How excited I am. Uh, I cannot be more happier. Yes, last week took the week off. Went to the Rose Bowl. Saw my Michigan Wolverines win the Rose Bowl. Beat Alabama, the greatest coach of all time, the greatest program of all time in terms of championships, the Alabama Crimson Tide. The two winningest programs storied. I was there, and it felt so good for the Wolverines to win. Nobody's got it better than us. Oh, I can't wait to discuss that. Then Washington, Texas, absolute thriller as well. Two great semifinal games. Florida State getting absolutely embarrassed. Then we'll switch gears to the NFL. My penultimate rankings of the top 10 NFL teams as we head into week 18 this weekend. And then I discuss playoff madness. Might make some picks for you, some surefire locks. uh, Because a lot of uh, teams resting their starters that have already clinched playoff seating, positioning. So we'll see, but there's a lot that can still happen going into the final week of the NFL. So we'll discuss that. But let's start with the greatest game I personally have ever seen. And I don't know if I will go to another live sporting event that tops the Rose Bowl. So it definitely is a bucket list item going there. Outside of the traffic coming into the stadium, it was beautiful. The environment, the green, the mountains, uh, it was the scenery. It was absolutely stunning. Being on the Michigan sideline with the sun setting, seeing that lights turning on, Mr. Brightside. Of course, Alabama played their uh, song too. It was sensational. It was, again, the greatest live sporting event I've ever been to. and you had the environment, the history of it all. And on top of that, you had a great game. A game everybody wanted to see. Of course, I was on Michigan. I've been on Michigan the whole year. I've been on Michigan my whole life. Uh, but I thought they would get it done. Uh, and there's a lot of skepticism coming into that game around Michigan. And... uh my thought was, and especially with these college football playoff games, the best team wins. Georgia of the past two years were the best team and won. Yes, two years ago we lost to Alabama in the SEC championship game. But with the S&P ratings, FPI, they were the best team. They looked dominant all year long, too. They were the best team. Uh, last year, again, Georgia, best team from start to finish all year. Didn't matter who they would play. If it was Michigan, TCU, Bama, they were going to win. This year, Michigan has been that dominant team all year long. Yes, they had uh, J.J. McCarthy get injured the past few weeks. So to me, that wasn't you know, a singular focus. Alabama surging at the end. So you had uh, really a narrative of the past couple of weeks instead of the whole season, which led to a lot of people thinking Alabama were going to win. Where I had Michigan could have used the rest last year. I don't think they did. This year they needed it. Michigan got the win in overtime. And it was just sensational all along. The first thing I take away from this is a Michigan defense. Defense wins championships. We have seen that the past two years. Georgia, the past two years, has had one of the greatest defensive runs in college football. That has been their anchor. Great offense, but the defense was elite number one last year, number one the year before. This year, 
it's been Michigan in almost every statistical uh, major category. If it's points allowed, uh, number one scoring defense, uh, number one, number two in total yards, you know, top five in pass. I mean, this team is vaunted on defense. There are stars on the back end. Uh, Rod Moore, safety. Uh, corners, Will Johnson, Josh Wallace, Mikey Saren still at the slot. Uh, your defensive line with Harrell and Braden McGregor and Josiah Stewart, sensational. The linebackers, Michael Bear, Jr. Colson, elite, elite. So this defense is the first takeaway. They were able to sack uh, Jalen Milrow, I believe a total of seven times, five times in the first half. They were constantly harassing uh, Jalen Milrow, uh, throwing him off. Uh, he only finished with 116 passing yards. QBR of 45.1. Uh, he wasn't that good throwing the football. Michigan was confusing him. They run a great defensive scheme. And I know this year I've been kind of hard on Blake Corum, but it appeared to me because Blake Corum was such the catalyst last year. Um, you know, it was a gut wrench when they got injured. We needed them in the playoff game. This year, it was much more balanced between J.J. and Corum. So the two players of the game for me on offense were, of course, J.J. and Blake Corum. They were sensational. J.J. McCarthy, 221 passing yards, uh, three touchdowns, a QBR of 91.9. I mean, again, don't get much better than that. Blake Corum, 83 yards running, the game-winning uh, touchdown there. At the end. Um, and then he also had the um, receiving touchdown as well. Uh, big fourth and two down conversion. And another difference in the game were those fourth down conversions. Uh, Michigan, two for two on fourth down conversions. Uh, you know, I liken them to the Eagles offensively a little bit to where Eagles get in those short situations with fourth and one, fourth and twos. They're going to go for it and they always get it. Michigan. Always gets it. They were 3-for-3 three three against Ohio State. 2-for-2 two two against Alabama. This is a team situationally that's really good. Sharon Moore, uh, offensive coordinator. Can't say enough. Jim Harbaugh, the aggressiveness. Great. And the only reason this game was, you know, went into overtime was special teams disaster by Michigan. Botched extra point. Uh, missed the field goal. That's four points you leave on the field. You had a muffed uh, punt that was recovered by Alabama, and you had another muff punt, thankfully, that was recovered by you with 40 seconds left in the game that if that turned into a safety, uh, Alabama gets the ball back, they win the game. Um, And so you just have things like that, that, you know, Michigan uncharacteristically made those special teams mistakes. That was just terrible. Um, that kept them in the game. But again, it was sensational all the way down to the end. J.J. McCarthy clutched up. It was 2013 Alabama in the fourth quarter, one of the few times, you know, the first time Michigan trailed in the second half all season. And you could feel it on the sideline. You know, I'm with my family, uh, my mom thinking we're going to lose. My dad also said we're going to lose. You had other fans in the area thinking, this is typical Michigan football. We're going to lose this game. That was the sense. And I turned to my brother and I said, JJ is going to clutch up on the final drive. And he was great. Roman Wilson was great. The catch that he made 
um, to set up his touchdown catch. Um, it was just sensational. And then they get the ball in overtime, which is what I wanted because the offense was just hot on the touchdown drive. Two runs with Blake Corum score great runs. And then the defense has to make a stop to win it. Don't go to a double overtime. And the defense comes up clutch. Everybody knows the fourth and three at the goal line. Jalen Milrow is going to get the ball. Uh, they're going to do some stunt with him, whether it's roll him out, keep it. You know, something's going to happen with Jalen Milrow. And Michigan's defense made the stop. It was euphoric. It was great. Greatest game I've ever seen. To me, the greatest Rose Bowl game. I know we have the Georgia-Oklahoma game. Uh, you know, the 2017 CFP semifinal game, which was great. Of course, being a Michigan fan, I will openly admit this is probably a little biased, but this was great considering the programs, the overtime. It was, it was great. I mean, can't be enough said. Michigan, hail to the victors. Great, great game. Now we're going to the national championship game. So now let's talk about the other playoff semifinal game, which was the Sugar Bowl. I had Washington winning that game. It was 37-31 Washington. And much like Michigan and their Maligners, this game shouldn't have been as close. Uh, because with, you know, I believe three and a half minutes left, uh, you know, this or my bad, like five minutes left, uh, Washington goes up 37-28. You're thinking Texas isn't going to do this, but Texas does drive down the field, gets a um, field goal to make it 37-31. So, you know, Washington can essentially, you know, even though Texas has two timeouts, are running off the clock to where Texas only has 20 seconds left. However, Washington on third down, or running back gets injured, so the medical timeout. A lot of people don't like this rule of a timeout. Uh, I do like this rule of the medical timeout being needed to stop the clock for the player. Um, personally, I do like that. That's why you don't have to reset the game clock and play clock and sync all those up. It's just final two minutes. You get the timeout. To me, it's good. So they get the ball back with 45 seconds left, Texas does. And Quinn Ewers uh, does clutch up on you know a third down on the first uh, on that drive, takes him all the way down to Washington, 28. Great throw and catch uh, by him and Jordan Whittington. And then another you know, good pass sets him up at the Washington 12. And they had it with 15 seconds left because they got out of bounds. So they're first down Washington 12. And every throw since then was to the end zone. And Sark says you know, that gives them the most plays to give them a chance. And I do agree with that because... Counting the 15 seconds, that typically will give you four shots to the end zone. However, 12 yards to me is dicey because you're in like a dead man zone. I don't like the 7 to 12, 7 to 15 yard touchdown attempts. Since you had the 15 seconds and you were so close, uh, I personally would have caught him off guard on maybe a second down, ran the ball, or on that first one, ran a play designed where you have a couple of end zone shots as your first reads. But you have ones that can maybe get you down to the Washington 6 or Washington 5 or 4. Why? Because you can go up there and spike the ball. Yes, you would only have one play left, probably three, four seconds. But I would take a third, 
down from the fourth or five yard line with just one play knowing I have one shot from that area rather knowing I have two shots from the 12 yard line. That's just my point of view. Uh, I know everybody is different, but that's what I would do. But Washington did hang on to win that game uh, behind just the sensational play of Michael Penix. Quinn Ewers was good. Michael Penix was just better. Uh, 29 for 38. 430 yards. He had a Joe Burrow uh, type game in a semifinal. Uh, two touchdowns. A QBR of 97.7. Almost a perfect QBR. He, and he was great. Nothing else can be said about him. The receivers were great. First round pick, Roma Dunze. Uh, looks like it could be a first round pick. Jalen Polk was really good. They had McMillan heated up. Jack Westover. I mean, the whole team was sensational in their win. So now it sets up Washington, Michigan, Natty National Championship game. Uh, early prediction, I'm going to do a podcast Monday next week. But I do think Michigan is going to win the National Championship. I mean, it's a great game. It's going to be two, you know, a future Big Ten opponent in Washington playing. So we do have this rematch next year, which is kind of cool. Albeit it will be, I believe, two very different teams and players. Amanda, but it's really good. But one thought that has been talked about a lot by Joel Klatt, J.J. Watt, um, Kirk Herbstreet, which I agree with, is the national championship game should be the Rose Bowl every year. It should be the national championship game presented by the Rose Bowl because of the environment, the atmosphere, the history. To me, it just makes a lot of sense. Find a new New Year's Six Bowl to kind of put that in so that the national can be that same spot every single year. Houston this year, you know, it's weird too because, you know, there at the Rose Bowl, it was the largest attended crowd at the Rose Bowl. It was around 96,000 plus fans in attendance. And in this bowl game, or this national championship game in Houston, I believe it only seats around 72,000. So you're getting 24,000 less fans. What does that mean? Ticket prices are higher in demand because it's not as much capacity. It doesn't get in. Another reason I don't like that stadium is I believe it is turf. I like real grass for my national championship game. Uh, and it's like a Houston, it's not even an iconic NFL stadium. I get SoFi a couple years ago was cool. I get Allegiant, those are cool ones. Uh, like a big NFL stadium. But the one in Houston, don't like that spot for the national championship. That's just me. But great couple bowl games. Bowl games that weren't great. And... For some, it's for me, it's like, uh, yeah, this is why we have four teams in college football. Some are like, yeah, this is why we have 12, because a team like Georgia should get in. And after watching the, uh, the games, Georgia clearly looked like one of the top four teams. I'm sorry, I do feel that way. Uh, Georgia played Florida State and absolutely hammered them. 63-3. to uh, It was 42-3 to at halftime. Game was never close to motion. I had Georgia... And yes, Florida State had opt-outs, people not playing other, you know, basically their whole starting lineup was out. So what did uh, Georgia do basically in the second half? Put their backups in and run up the score. So Georgia was the better team in Florida State all year, this game. And uh, Kirby Smart didn't like all the bowl game opt-outs. And I agree, I didn't like it because if you didn't have all those players opt-out, just opt-out of a bowl itself. Just say, hey, yeah, we were... So upset about not getting into the playoff that we're an opt-out and we're not even going to try. Just opt-out of a bowl. Don't even play. Because guess what? A Georgia-Oregon Orange Bowl would have been much, a much better bowl game. It really would have. That would have been, to me, a true 
great outside bowl game. You know, I thought Ole Miss-Penn State was pretty good. Ole Miss was a better team. Missouri-Ohio State, pretty close. Missouri's a better team. But you had a lopsided Georgia-Florida State and a lopsided Liberty-Oregon. Didn't like that one. Uh, Oregon blew them out 45-6. to Another one, because Liberty, a team like them, will be in the playoff next year. Is the 12 team going up against a 5? That's a very favorable matchup. Give me the 5 if I don't win the conference. So, Georgia-Oregon would have been the much better bowl game. And conversely, Liberty and Florida State would have been the much better bowl game. Uh, that's how I think it should have been. Uh, but nonetheless, we got two great semifinal games. Now, time to move on, switch to the NFL. Time to give you my top 10 teams heading into the final week. And there are clearly teams in my top 10 I don't think can uh, win the Super Bowl. Uh, might be lucky to win a playoff game. Teams I don't even think can win a playoff game. So let's go to this one. Let's start with number 10. Let's do this. Top 10 NFL teams. Number 10, the Los Angeles Rams. They've clinched a playoff spot and they are one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now. They've won three in a row and they've won, I think, six of their past seven. This is a really good team. Offense is clicking right now. They've clinched a playoff spot. Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua. But the key has been Kyron Williams. Uh, Their running back, you know, Matthew Stafford hasn't been great at, you know, being committed to running the football. But Kyron Williams is leading the NFL in rush yards per game at 95.3. What does that mean? If he was fully healthy, he'd have more rushing yards than McCaffrey. He has been a sensational running back, great player. Defense uh, is not great, but they can make stop. Raheem Morris with the rookies and no names on defense has had a really good scheme. That's why I have the Rams there at 10. However, they could have a tough playoff matchup either way against the Cowboys or the Lions. Don't see them winning a playoff game. Next, the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs are here at 9. Deserve to be at nine. They won a or they've won their division. They clinched that, um, but just have been inconsistent all year long. Offense has not really been uh, great. We're used to this offense being a bona fide, not just number one unit, but usually a top five unit in the NFL. And right now they're just hovering in the top ten. Haven't aren't really great at anything. The defense, on the other hand, is second. This is a really good defense. But to me, they're going to have a tough matchup no matter what because they're going to be playing a team like Miami in the first round or the Bills or the Texans. So it makes that really, really tough. Uh, I don't know if they even win a playoff game. Number eight, the Philadelphia Eagles. Another team, I don't know if they win a playoff game. And you're like, so does that mean Tampa Bay's ahead of them? No, I don't have Tampa Bay in my top ten because uh, of their bad loss they just had. But Philadelphia just lost to the Cardinals. Soak that in. Yes, they beat the Chiefs and the beat teams, but the Eagles are clearly floundering. After a 10-1 start, 2-3 uh, in their last few games, I mean, just have not been impressive at all. Um, yes, they still have the players, I believe, a personnel to score. Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown. Uh, but they've got to step up. They've got to step up. Number seven. The Cleveland Browns, a team in the AFC I don't think any team wants to play and probably will win their 
round matchup. They're clinched as the fifth seed. Number one defense in the NFL has been all year round. And Cleveland, just outside the top ten in offense. But this offense has been really good since Joe Flacco has come back. And I believe, like I said, Cleveland beats that AFC South winner in the first round. And then from there, do we have a matchup with Baltimore? Because that's really tough for Baltimore. Joe Flacco, revenge game with the defense, divisional opponent, third time of year. That is tough. I mean, the Browns, really good. Kevin Stefanski is in the conversation for coach of the year. Deserves some votes. Deserves to be, you know, win the award if he does get it. He has been great. Number six, the Miami Dolphins. And this is where I want to point out, starting here, the standings don't matter uh, to me. Because I view on eye tests and things that have happened. So Miami Dolphins... Uh, really good. They're 11 and 6. They're leading in the AFC East right now. But they have lost, they just lost Bradley Chubb. They've already lost Jalen Phillips. Uh, this team also doesn't look like Jalen Waddle will play. Maybe not Xavier Howard. This is a very banged up team uh, since winning some games. To me, it's not the same team. Uh, win hurt, and when they play good opponents like they just did in uh, Baltimore, just absolutely getting waxed, 56 points allowed. Uh, yes, this is the number one offense, great offense. A defense to me is too inconsistent, and now they're just taking too much injuries. That's why I have them down at number six. Number five, the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, the Dallas Cowboys get to be at number five. They have the third highest point differential at plus 166. They blow a lot of teams out, uh, lose close games. They have the number uh, six offense. In the NFL, one of the top scoring offenses. Defense, top 10. That's what I like. Top 10 offense, top 10 defense. Very balanced team. And a team that's projected to get the um, two seed right now and clinch the NFC East with a win. I think they'll do so. Pick Dallas to win the division before the year started. That pick is looking good. Dallas is there. Uh, and again, yes, you're going to say, didn't the Dolphins just beat them? Yes, but I think a rematch happens, Dallas wins. What about the Lions? Oh, yes, Lions are there at four. I believe the Lions did win that game. They were better than the Cowboys all game. The refs screwed it up. Those refs won't be in the playoffs. Uh, they kind of clinched the three seed now. Um, the Lions do. And it's looking like in the divisional round, we'll get a Detroit-Dallas rematch. I do think that Detroit can win that game. I honestly think, uh, you know... Give the circumstances, they can win that game. Detroit, third best offense in the NFL. This, you know, offense is really good. The only thing that scares me is the Jared Goff turnovers. The defense, again, isn't great. They have a good uh, rush defense, great rush defense, fourth in the NFL, uh, top rushing offense. So you have those things, which I like because that's what the Eagles were last year. So it does encourage me uh, if CJ Gardner Johnson comes back for the playoffs. Get him in the rotation. That will help out the back end. Not make it greater elite, but just help him out. But again, those are teams I just named that can make make the playoffs, win playoff games. I don't think can win the Super Bowl, though. I don't think Lions, Cowboys, Dolphins, Browns can win Super Bowl. They can win some playoff games. Now I get to my three teams that can win the Super Bowl. Number three, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, they are fourth in point differential at plus one. 33. Another team that blows out a lot of teams. They are number five in total offense. Great offensive team. Defensively, uh, still top 10 hovering there at number 10. 
And I just like this team. Uh, I think Josh Allen is going to come to play this weekend. Survive two close games this past week. Could they be looking ahead to Miami? Sure. But this is a team that no one wants to play in the playoffs and has be- beaten good teams. They beat them the Cowboys, the Dolphins already, the Chiefs. Uh, so when I look at them, again, a team not a lot of people want to play in the playoffs. Number two, San Francisco 49ers. They clinch the number one seed in the NFC. Uh, that's done. They can rush their starters now because they finish with the number two offense. They finish with MVP candidates Brock Purdy and uh, Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey, not only an MVP candidate, uh, more serious contention for offensive player of the year, best running back in the NFL, have a top 10 defense as well. This team is really balanced, really well coached. Kyle Shanahan, to me, best coach in the NFL uh, right now. They just look sensational, uh, and it's going to be hard for any team to beat them in the NFC. For a team to beat them in the NFC, they're going to have to have one of their best uh, opponents and have to have one of their best games. And that leaves number one, the Baltimore Ravens, who have the number one point differential in the NFL, plus 210, uh, winning six in a row, longest current winning streak in the NFL, the fourth best offense, number one rushing offense, fourth best defense, a team, only team in the NFL that is top five in both offense and defensive metrics. So I've talked about teams like Buffalo, Dallas, top 10 in both, Kansas City, top 10 in both. But when you have a team that is, you know, top five in both, that is an elite, elite team, and they deserve to be the number one favorites. Lamar Jackson, MVP candidate, likely MVP favorite, should win it. Uh, My vote would go to him uh, because of the greatness that he's put on display in this six-game winning streak uh, and where he has his team at clinching that one seed uh, in not only the... uh, you know, best record in AFC, but regardless of a loss, they'll have the best record in the NFL due to the tiebreaker they have with the Niners for beating them head-to-head. So there you have it. Those are my top 10 teams in the NFL. Rams, Chiefs, Eagles, Browns, Dolphins, Cowboys, Lions, Bills, Niners, and Ravens. There you go. But now, let's talk about Week 18 uh, sometimes the craziest weekend of the NFL. Why do I say that? Because last year we had Seattle in a window beat the Rams, eliminate the Lions, but the Lions beat the Packers, which eliminates them, and the Packers, you know, need of the Seahawks. So you have all that uh, going at it. You had that game, the, you know, years ago, you a couple years ago, you had the uh, Raiders, Chargers. If you tie, you both get in. But one team wins, winners end, losers eliminated because... The Steelers get in for the spot. So each year you have drama this time of year. This year is no different. So just some picks uh, as we're going through this week 18. A lot can still happen. Nine teams have clinched playoff spots. Nine of 16. Uh, 11 teams are still alive. uh, Not eliminated yet. But out of those 11 teams, only seven can get in. So four fan bases will be heartbroken. So week 18, there's two games. First one. Steelers-Ravens, I don't know why this is in its spot now with the Ravens locking up their spot uh, because they're in the rest of their starters. Steelers have a lot to play for. I think Steelers are going to win, and they'll still need help to get in to the playoffs, but I think Steelers get in. Then you have Colts-Texans. Winner of this game clinches a playoff spot. Uh, The tie, both of them 
get eliminated. So neither team is going to be playing for a tie. Uh, I think right now I'm leaning Houston, but it's in Indy. Indy did win earlier, convincingly, and that was in Houston. Um, so we'll see how this one goes. Panthers, Bucks. Panthers win. Or I mean, my bad. Tampa Bay wins. They are in. They clinch for AFC South. They're in the playoffs. However, they, uh, you know, lose or tie, they are eliminated. If they tie and New Orleans wins, New Orleans goes to the playoffs. If they tie, Atlanta wins. If they still going, uh, but if you know they lose and Atlanta wins, Atlanta gets in. So again, craziness for that NFC South spot. Bengals Browns Browns resting their starters uh, because they've clinched the five seed. Uh, who plays for Bengals? T Higgins, Jamar Chase. If the starters play for them, I like the Bengals. If not, give me the Browns. Vikings Lions like the Lions of this one not resting. Uh, I believe they're going to be motivated to come back and bounce back after that tough loss against the Cowboys and win. Jets Patriots meaningless game again. Talked about the Saints Panthers Saints Falcons. I think the Saints will win. Uh, but, again, I think Tampa Bay's going to beat Carolina, so that would eliminate that game matchup. Jaguars-Titans, another interesting one, depending on the results of the Colts and the Texans. So, if the Titans, if the Jags win, they win the division, they're four seed. Simple as that. Um, if they lose or tie, Houston wins, Houston is in the playoffs. And same thing with Indy. If they tie, Tennessee wins. With Houston, with Indy winning, Indy's in. And Jacksonville's eliminated. So you have that uh, going for them. Um, you know, Pittsburgh would like a tie with one of these teams, with one of the AFC South teams, because that means they get in. Um, Seattle, Arizona. I think Seattle is going to beat Arizona, keeps them alive for a playoff spot. Uh, but then that's where it gets interesting because then you have Chicago, Green Bay. So much like last year, Seattle needed to win and have the Lions beat the Packers to get in. Similar, they need to win and have the Bears beat the Packers this year to get in uh, to the playoffs. I believe it's going to be different this year if the Packers win and get in. Uh, however, if the Bears win, Seattle sneaks into the playoffs if the Green Bay-Chicago game ends in a tie. Seattle still gets into the playoffs, so there's still hope for them. Still a good shot, but I believe Green Bay wins. Vaults them up to the sixth seed. Kansas City Chargers doesn't really matter. Nothing changes. Broncos Raiders nothing matters. Eagles I believe win, but again I think the Cowboys beat Commanders. Nothing happens. So here's where more chaos happens: Rams, Niners. So with if Green Bay wins and the Rams lose, uh, Rams drop from a six to seven and go from playing the Cowboys or the Lions to the Cowboys. Uh, however, if the Rams win, they play the Lions. Green Bay plays the Cowboys. So you have you know, some potential matchups there that are really interesting. Why? Because Rams resting Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, some of their players. And Niners clinching the number one, resting their players, the Trent Williams, the McCaffrey, the Purdy. So it's a battle of the backups. Close one to call right there. And then you have Sunday night. Bills, Dolphins. So, Bills, winner of this game, wins the division. I think Buffalo's going to win it. So, if they win, they're the two seed. Uh, Miami's a six seed. However, if they lose this game with the Steelers winning, in Houston winning, and the Jags winning, uh, 
they miss the playoffs. Houston gets the six. Pittsburgh gets the seven. So you have all that pressure on them. If the teams tie, Buffalo gets that six spot. Houston gets that seven spot. So it is really interesting. I mean, again, Houston Indy ties. Pittsburgh gets in if they win. So still so much playoff madness. This is going to be a great final week. Again, some of the picks that I just mentioned I really like. Some are on the fence. Some you just don't know game time decision for the starters. But it's going to be a fantastic NFL weekend, week 18. Looking forward to that this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, capping off Monday with the national championship game. Playoffs will be set by then. Uh, I'll be back next week. Do a show on Monday. Break down the national championship. What happened in week 18. Looking forward to it. I'll talk to everybody then. Hope you all have a great weekend. Bye, everybody.